Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Welcome today. Well, I am wearing my um, yellow ribbon for this 4th of July week today. Thanks for uh, allowing me to do this. Betty Ritter Boutique in the plaza at Preston Center in Dallas, who's having a great sale, by the way. Today, I have a really interesting guest and story that I was taken by. And I'll tell you what happened. I met this uh, gentleman today, Colonel, retired Colonel Don Taylor. And we got to talking about his background, and uh, one thing led to another. And let me just introduce the, the aspects of the show today that we're going to be talking about. One thing he said early on was he said, you know, Valerie's in healthcare now and doing a lot of advising and consulting and teaching and speaking uh, based on his experiences in a little remote place in Iraq, Balad, where he commanded uh, a hospital unit there and I'll tell you about it in a moment but what he said that fascinated me was he said healthcare found me and then it became a calling and that's what started our relationship to have Don on the show today so I want to welcome you Colonel retired Colonel <laughs> Don Taylor for being on this show thank you thank you so much for being here and helping me share the stories about doing it right <laughs> Thank you. And this is the first time you've been on a show like this. It is. First so time. I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. And now you're out there doing speaking engagements all over the country. Isn't that I hope, interesting? I hope so, and I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is no different, but you're just talking to people you can't see. So there that's, you go. That's correct. Thank you. Listeners, let me just mention something to you. Watch the comments section, and please make a lot of comments. Ask questions, because as I tell you this story, I think you're going to want to. So here it is. Um, retired Colonel Don Taylor was tapped on the shoulder to command a much-needed trauma center in Balad, Iraq, at the height of the Iraqi war. With a cadre of military doctors and nurses, Don took the reins to design and command this hospital that at one point cared for ABC, remember this, anchor Bob Woodruff, who was almost fatally injured, and uh, his cameraman, Doug Vogt. Uh, so it happened in 2006, Don. I understand that a roadside bomb exploded very close to the vehicle where Bob Woodruff and uh, Doug Vogt were, were riding, uh, carrying on about all the anchor things that our wonderful people do over there in the media. And this uh, IED exploded. They were both seriously injured. They both had shrapnel wounds to the head. They were rushed by helicopter to this small combat hospital that you commanded. And so tell us about when you heard this was coming, 
What were you thinking and feeling as the commander of this little hospital where they were landing soon? Well, it was interesting, and thank you for the question. It was uh, it, w- it was a Sunday morning, and um, as I as I start in some of my keynotes, I I start with the 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 kind of ironies of the space. I had just left morning service uh, in the chapel, mm. and I always talk about how ironic it is that uh, I'm I'm going to a church service. Uh, in the middle of a combat zone, wearing a nine millimeter um, <clears throat> handgun, listening to hymns that I knew as a child, hmm. and I said the irony of that always kind of frustrated, kind of, kind of, kind of never, never quite resonated with me. But anyway, as I had gone back in the in the Sunday morning routine, which was normally a sort of a calm day for us, uh, we were getting mortared on the average about three times a day. But but hmm. Sundays were they tended to relax and we could catch up with things. Well, I got a, I got a call that it was time to I needed to be in something was happening, and so uh, sure enough, I jumped in the vehicle and uh, and when I arrived at the hospital, it was it was really kind of preparing for what we I thought was going to be a mass casualty event, but it was very apparent that all of a sudden we had some challenges. I was told that in the the tent right next to me, we were still in campus tents at this time, uh, doing uh, frankly the busiest trauma center in the world, and still in campus Goodness. tents. And we were, uh, and I was told that the ABC News uh, production team was in the tent and was on a satellite link back to uh, the ABC News president and uh, Bob Woodruff's wife, and that we would be, he would be arriving shortly. So uh, I knew then that the that this was going to be a different day just because of the notoriety of him. Um, but I, I, I took, uh, you know, I took things at hand, and the first thing I did was confiscate all cameras. Oh, really? I confiscated all cameras, Why? video cameras, news media, yeah, uh, to protect his privacy. Good for you. Uh, there had been uh, a, a few incidents here and there, but my team was, uh, we had enough trust that they trusted me and they knew that I did it for a reason. And so you'll never find any, any images at that time from, from his time there, which was very brief mm-hmm. during this long journey of recovery and rehabilitation, which continues today probably. Um, but he was unconscious he was. for, what, 36 days? Uh, I think that was the, the duration. He was with us a very short period of time uh, for a number of hours, but mm-hmm. the stabilization, initial surgery, the neurosurgeons did work with him there for about three hours. And because of the technology and the advancements of Air Force Medicine, we were able to fly him that evening to Germany. My goodness. A, a, after that... midnight. It was, just, it was just a, it was exactly what we had all trained and prepared for for decades of our lives. And it was happening real time. Real time. Real time. With a lot of interest internationally as well. <laughs> and his cameramen were right, was right, right there. Right the there. whole time. So you were working on right. both. At the same time. Mm-hmm. As well as a young Marine who had been injured and had a lower back injury in a Humvee rollover. Mm. And the neurosurgeons were caring for him at the same time they were caring for, for Bob Woodruff in a different OR. <laughs> what, what was it like to be at this place where, you know, I mean, it was in place when you first came, you commanded it. it. But to think about just the, the surroundings I mean, there was no Lowe's, there was no Home Depot. <laughs> it wasn't really a, a clean outside surroundings. You were there how long, and what was it like? I was there just a little sly, uh, short of six months. Part of my team was there for some of the team was there a year, uh, and it varied by service. We were. Um, it, it was really kind of 
kind of magical the way it happens because hmm. we all are prepared independently across the nation and across the service. It's a it's a testament to standardization of, of processes and principles and in organizational discipline, as I call it, because we arrived from 50 different locations and we were able to coalesce as a single team in less than a day to provide this kind of service and quality of care that actually saved lives. Our survival rate was over 98.5% My goodness, in the Don, middle that's of a combat amazing. zone. How many, uh, how many people were working there together that coalesced? About 400. Uh, at any one time, we varied based upon needs and, and processes. And how big was this hospital? Oh, let me see. We were about 43,000 square feet, mm -hmm. I think, of, of canvas tents with a helipad that could handle four. Um, and so, and it was over a campus that was probably the size of about four football fields mm -hmm. where we had logistics and infrastructure support and, and uh, blast barriers and all kinds of other things because we were right near... Again, we were right near the edge of the, the perimeter of the base. And so uh, we were exposed to some, uh, to some risk at times. Uh, but, you know, we all did what we needed to do. Well, you just do, don't you? You do. But were you ever, you personally, ever scared? <laughs> you know, it's funny you should ask the question. Um, we all deal with fear a different way. In uh, leaving, I was. Uh, I was anxious uncertain and you don't know what you're going into and I you know I haven't spoken to this publicly but somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean I was listening to the theme song from the movie Pearl Harbor uh -huh. and uh, in the middle of that song I had this warmth come over me that I said you know what if I never come home I'm good I've done all wow. I needed to do and it's just it sort of just it warms you. Peace. And I had this peace, and I never lost that. I never lost it. I felt then I had to step up. I had some folks, uh, you know, get ill. I had some folks that went through depression. I had some folks that were anxious. Mm. Uh, some were very fearful, and we watched for mm. them all. We were a team. We took care of each other during that time. Um, and, you know, there were, some, there were some times that it was at risk, but most of the time we knew what our job was. We were mm. here to take care of these kids that that looked to us to save their lives. That's what it was about. Thank you for sharing that story on Thank this you. show. That means a lot. Uh, listeners, I want you to be thinking about questions you might have. This is an interesting story behind the scenes that we don't often get. We, we see the media and we hear the stories later, but here's the man that's, that lived it. When you were asked to, to command this, tapped on the shoulder as you told mm -hmm. me, why were you tapped on the shoulder? Because I asked for it. Oh, you did? <laughs> I wanted to do this. Really? Yeah, this, this in my mind uh, in Air Force Medicine was the best job they could offer. Uh, this was, and I was, was unique. that had always been commanded by physicians, and I was the only non-physician to command that particular facility, um, partly because of experience, partly because of some advocacy, some great men who, uh, who, who thought and knew me, and... Trusted you. Uh, and trusted me to do this mm -hmm. well. And um, so I arrived with a little bit different mindset, uh, not as an opposition, but more as a leader. And uh, that, that resonated with the team. It resonated with the leadership there and the way I approached what we did. Mm. It, because it was more about coalescing as a team. My job was to take care of the team, challenge them with, um, with safety. I wanted them to 
to renew themselves spiritually, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. you know, financially, whatever they did, but choose one, but go home better than you arrived. Mm. You know, take this time to renew yourself. Yes, you're going to see crazy, really difficult things. You're going to see things you'll never forget. But the best immunization to that is to be focused on your self-renewal. It mm. worked for a number of us. Uh, and um, to this day, a lot of those team members see things as fondly during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was part of my, my message to them. Part of the leadership was helping them help themselves with their fears, with their, with their emotional kind of challenges during this time. Not to mention our mission, which was not very easy. Mm-hmm. These young, young, young people, men and women, would arrive, and you'd look down, and you'd see your kid, you'd see your brother, oh, or sister. Oh my goodness! Yes, and, I can imagine. And they would look up, you know. And I told the team, mm. and I, I told the team, I said, when they look up to you during that moment, you're the most important person they've ever met in their life. Yes, I need you to be worthy of that. Mm. And to be worthy of that, you have to have your head clear. Mm. You have to be prepared. You have to be well rested. You also have, you have to be focused on that exact moment. They deserve that. So that was what I kept resonating with them. I couldn't do it. I didn't have those skills, those clinical skills, mm-hmm. but I was right there with them, helping them and supporting them. Sometimes it was getting Gatorade, or sometimes it was mopping a bloody floor. Oh. But I did what I needed to do to make sure they did what they could do well. You know, Don, what's striking me is that you said on the plane you had this warmth come over you, and I said, that meant peace, I'm sure. There is no doubt that you're doing what you're doing today because you were given that opportunity. So bring us up to speed now. How have you used all of that wealth of experience and depth of experience to now do what you're doing and tell us what you're doing? Well, it's funny, you know, when you leave something that emotionally um, uh, I, I, it's hard to describe mm. something that's challenged you from the very depths of your soul. Yeah. You know, when you leave that setting, you just don't go on to do something else easily. The Air Force wanted me to stay in and go to Washington. I couldn't push papers, so I retired instead. Uh, then I went through a period of time where I, I ran away from healthcare. I you worked, did? I worked in the engineering industry for five years and uh, ran a small company. And it, it, it was, it was in, you know, interesting to build a company. But I didn't have a purpose. I missed a purpose during that time. And then consulting again in the VA for a short time when they were in trouble, I still missed this purpose because it was always resonating in the back of my mind. Healthcare has a higher calling. Mm, it does. It always does. So just recently through, uh, through some various changes and you know these, these various ways you take in life, I really sat down and looked in the mirror and said, what is it that I'm about? What is it I care about? Well, I reflected back on the time when I was proudest of myself. It was during that time. The lessons I learned in life during that time highlighted to me, oh my gosh, that was the essence of healthcare. And we kind of miss that in today's society. We miss it in the US, Mm. I can tell you, because it's such a business. Business has sort of perversed it into something that it shouldn't be today, in my mind. Uh, we do great things here, technically. But we've missed this, this what I call this calling of care that I felt we had there. I didn't have policies. I didn't have <laughs> administration. I didn't have access to care. I didn't have a budget. I didn't even have attorneys. We just saved lives. And so, so I call this 
ugly, elegant lesson in my life mm. that that's where I learned what care is really about. Mm. So how do we kind of bottle that and put that as a portion of the way we look at our future healthcare in this nation? That's really kind of what I'm trying to do now. You are doing it. I'm trying to do it through speaking, yeah. trying to do it through my teaching, and a little bit through consulting, but I want people to really understand why they're here. Stay on that for a minute, because there are a lot of listeners, I'm sure, today who either are in some aspect of health care or are considering it or have family or friends who are in it. What would you say to listeners today? Why would you get into health care or why would you stay in it or should you? Well, you have to you have to really reflect and say, why am I here? If you're here to make money, you need to go do something else. I challenged uh, some of my, I challenge my audiences sometimes. If you can't walk down to the waiting room once a week, talk to a patient, talk to their family, understand their story, mm-hmm. and if you aren't emotionally moved by that, you need to quit. Mm. You need to leave. I used to, went back when we had nurseries in the hospitals I worked at, I would go visit babies. <laughs> because it sort of renewed to me about this, 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 this purpose of why we're here and how we're, health care is about helping, it's about caring. And caring for not only the patients we serve, but caring for the people who choose to serve them. And we've lost that as well. We've become quite a bureaucratic business that is so complicated and so convoluted now, we've lost this, this calling. Mm. We've lost this higher, higher level of care, as I call it today. And that's what I think we need to rediscover before we can make the right decisions in the future of healthcare. You know, Don, thank goodness, the few uh, hospital stays I've had or operations that I've had to go through, thank goodness as you're talking, I look back and I I really relate to exactly what you said about that a young man on on the cot and looks up and that person, that medic is the most important person in their life. And just here in the United States, I very very clearly remember waking up and whoever was in front of me that was taking care of me was the most important person. Gratefully, so far, I've had really caring people. But I love what you said before the show about caring, you say it, two, four, and how do you say your yes. your mantra? Yeah, there's. I learned through and what I do my speeches, I, I talk about I we had a calling to care for those in need, and I learned that in Iraq. And then I talk about the emerging disruptors in healthcare and and all of the things that are changing in our nation. And We're screaming as a nation to create care. I call it calling for care. Mm -hmm. We want to create care Mm -hmm. in our nation, and we have no idea how to navigate the the process that we're in Mm -hmm. because we're locked in a business and we're trying to create a calling. And we're sort of, and we're stuck there. And a lot of our people are. And then the last is the leadership needs to care to do this. To care. The calling to care. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a leader that cares, you need to follow this calling to care. And that is for those we serve and for those who serve them. Mm -hmm. It's essential. And so you have to find parts of that message in, in your heart, in your mind, and carry that forward. The business is necessary. I'm not naive. The business is the means, though, to deliver the care. It's the means to the end. It's mm-hmm. not the end. And I think we've confused that over time. Interesting. What are we doing well in healthcare? 
What are we doing well? Technically, we're very good in research. And technically, we, we train great physicians and nurses. Technically, we're good at healthcare. Mm. It's just how it's applied now is where our challenge is. Those are good statements, Don. All the things about leadership that you learned in the Air Force and uh, certainly at your time in Balad. Now, if you were going, when you are going into organizations, from a leadership standpoint, can you relate some of the leadership lessons that you're now taking into your consulting work? Sure. I, you know, healthcare to me is a unique leadership opportunity. And, and sometimes leaders in healthcare arrive by what I call technical means, by education and by prior status. Sure. It, it really sometimes they don't have the, what I call the necessary journey steps and life lessons to, to handle the complexities of leading in a unique environment. So some of those are, you know, you, 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 you can't be, you got to share, you have to have an open heart. And, and I talk about this, that's part of the caring side. Leadership in healthcare requires an open heart, again, to everyone, and that has to be known. You have to share that why mm -hmm. with those you lead. They need to know you're genuine, you're authentic. Um, one of the things that's resonated of late is set standards, setting standards. One of the things I learned from Iraq, my first week there, um, we were doing, a, we had a mass casualty with a lot of casualties coming in on a Saturday evening. And uh, my chief nurse brought me a, a hypodermic needle that was used for morphine that had been found out by the restrooms. Oh. And she said, I think we may have a problem. And I said, Frank, thanks for bringing it to me. Yes, we either have misuse of narcotics or we have a user. Uh oh. And uh, I can't tolerate either. Mm. Uh, these, these kids deserve more. Mm -hmm. So I did the only complete drug screen for all 400 folks on Saturday night. 400? <laughs> I did. They all donated right behind me. I was the first to give the sample and I did a drug screen. But a couple of things that, that set the standard is that there would be, under my leadership, there would never be a compromise. Care was paramount. There were no individuals here. We were mm. a team. So uh, I, I set the standard of you are expected to adhere, adhere to policies. And the expectation was you're going to comply. This is no nonsense. It's a serious business, and we're here to save lives. That's all there is to it. Well, that resonated interest very well, actually, with the team. Hmm. I was surprised at that. And what I, the other lesson I learned is that sometimes these emerging generations love standards. Yes, they don't love, we? <laughs> they love to know where the curbs are on the streets. Sure, boundaries. And they knew there were standards now, uh -huh. and they felt comfortable within that. And they felt, and it allowed a level of safety that they wasn't sure they would have. Uh, you know, um, well, that certainly relates to any business that you go into, yes, doesn't it, does. it Don? It does. What are you enjoying most now in what you're doing, coming from that kind of a background to well, where right now, you what are. I enjoy most, right, right now, I love to help people find their own way. You know, some of the leaders in healthcare right now are struggling with all of the pressures to achieve bottom line, you know, return on investment issues. I keep asking about when, when are we going to start measuring the return on health? Yes. When are we going to have Good. a return on caring? Mm -hmm. You know, when are we going to look at other things of value in healthcare besides just the bottom line? And, and we have a challenge with the nation is who we serve. 
So what I enjoy, I think I enjoy helping change the discussion. I want the discussion okay. to be different. I don't want it to be political. This isn't political. It's this is too important to be political. Good point. It's too important to be business. Mm -hmm. This is about caring for each other. Mm -hmm. Now we define who that is. Mm -hmm. That's 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 the tough call because we can't afford to care for the world. But we can do what we need to do for those that have earned it. And we need to make that decision. Then we have to put a focus on what health really is. Massive discussion about is it a right or is it a business? Well, that's that is a valid discussion. I won't share an opinion here, but I think people have a right to health. Now, health care is a different story. But people have to have a responsibility for their own health as well. And we need to find a way to encourage that in this nation, unlike other nations who do that very well. We don't. So, uh, you know, I can, uh, I can well understand, going into companies myself and training programs, that you are so well equipped and, and so blessed, our country is blessed, to have you uh, be so well equipped to come Thank in you. and not only share inspiration, which you've done today, Don, but also the practical things, what you experienced in all of your uh, background, even before going to Iraq. Right, right. You're well suited to go in and help any organization, I'm sure, with processes and innovation and all the aspects that you did. By the way, listeners, if you are wanting to uh, look at some videos about what happened with uh, Bob Woodruff and uh, Doug Vaught, you can check out, where is it, Anna? It's already chat. On, on Facebook and uh, on the YouTube um, chat box. Yeah, and find out more about that. They did both uh, come back. Thank God they're, they're living and, and doing as well as they can and uh, are on to doing amazing things themselves, so I'd encourage you for that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that when you think about just the mass industry of healthcare, there's so much to it. And yes, it is a business, as many things are. But I'll leave one more thing with us about purpose. You found your purpose. You said it was it became a calling. Right. What about people, particularly in healthcare, that aren't quite sure if that's the direction or not? And I'll tell you why I'm asking. I have been coaching an organization, a healthcare organization, that is working with doctors to learn how to coach when these young men and women are considering becoming a doctor and they are in the process of doing so. And in that coaching assignment, what I've listened to are young people who are still questioning, is this for me? They think it is, they're in the midst of it. What would you say to them? It, 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 first of all, you have to take a look at their own history themselves. They have to understand how they were, how, how they were developed, how, where's their heart and their mindset. Okay. Because to do healthcare right, you really have to have empathy. You have to be a compassionate heart. You have to have a, be a compassionate person with a heart that wants to serve and give. If you're here, the technical challenges, yes, there's a place in healthcare for you to do research where you're not you know, at that point of care with a patient mm -hmm. or with a family. But you have to really reflect deep. Am I able to convey messages of hope mm -hmm. and messages of happiness throughout my career? 
-hmm. And can I stay engaged in that? You also have to accept the fact that you must learn always. And you can learn from other than physicians. Others can teach you many things. Mm. You have to be open to that. And the other part is if you're in it for the money, don't. <laughs> don't do it. That's the wrong reason. We need you for all those right reasons. One final question. So what happened now? What is going on at the hospital? We turned it back, I know, to the Iraqi people. So we did. any update on No. Uh, on of course, we're out of the country now, by and large, with a few contractors there. Uh, the Air Force still supports a joint uh, joint uh, medical center in uh, in Afghanistan now, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's still serving those that are still remaining in country and doing quite well. Friends still rotate through. Mm -hmm. um, we've been doing this for num many number of years. Uh, they step up to the plate and they respectfully serve their time and do it quite well. And I'm very proud right. of them. Very proud of them. Very proud of the team. Very proud of those who preceded me, those I still work with, and those that I still have great friendships with. Uh, just had a chat with a nurse who, who served with me there just this last Saturday. Did you? Yeah, we, were, we caught up uh, just That's on fun. where life is. That's fun. And she's done great. So thank you. Don, thank you. Thank you for being on the show and sharing thank so you. many interesting things that how would you know some of these things behind the scene? And you certainly are doing it right. I want to thank congratulate you, so much. you, especially on this week of July 4th. <laughs> Great. Thank you for your time today. You're so welcome. Okay. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us today. I uh, want to also say again, thank you, Betty Ritter, this wonderful boutique for my yellow rose um, outfit today. Be sure when you listen and watch this on YouTube or listen on any of the podcast channels, be sure that you share and that you subscribe. We are watching all the analytics. We appreciate every single one of you who take the time to listen to this 30-minute show with wonderful guests like Don today. Until next time, stay authentic, be real, get your purpose, really reflect on your purpose. It makes such a difference. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.